Podcast Network Asia. Well, the word was special performance, and and the response to that was, if she wants a special performance, she can come up to our room. I'm Sarge Requesta, and this is Esquire Philippines Lonely Hearts, where we have long conversations in your behalf with the lonely hearts, minds, and misunderstood geniuses of this world. People have made sense of themselves and the things around them during these uncertain times and who appear on this podcast in the interest of helping all of us make sense of our own personal words, too. How are you, David? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's lockdown. I, uh, I had to go to the hospital for a routine checkup yesterday. And it turns mm. out that three out of every four nurses I encountered had had COVID. Shit. Is that crazy, huh? that crazy i mean literally you can't go anywhere like without encountering it i think a lot of people feel or think that they can actually sort of get away get through this without encountering anyone or without you know uh being affected by it at all i mean it's just combined a lot of cultural things in the philippines i feel like i mean this is a country prepared for lockdowns it's got you know we're living, sure. we're living behind walls. We're living, well, we are locked down in our you know, own class, within, you know, if that's what you mean. Yes, yes. And, and within that, within family groups, right? Um, and yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, that does feel a bit odd. But hey, we can't think, we can't spend too long thinking about it. Otherwise, we'll, uh, I don't know what we'll do. But um, it, it is, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's made me, you know, I mean, I, and I describe the situation to friends overseas and they mm. instantly are concerned about the um the hardship that it must be bringing to mm-hmm. regular people for me herd immunity made a lot of sense makes a lot of sense on paper makes a lot of sense on paper but when you talk about a very strained health system when you talk about other countries where class it, it becomes a class issue you know it's a class disease very much in the philippines people can literally the upper class can literally stay indoors forever until forever. Everybody knows you're no, no, creative, no, creative. Everybody knows, um, I would say you're the chief creative of the Philippines. I've been in the advertising industry and I've always looked up to you and your work. Um, you're the first Filipino jury head of the Cannes Lions. Um, but I don't want to talk about that. Good. <laughs> I want to talk what we talked about. I thought it was all, all hush-hush until I looked at your profile and it says blatantly on your profile that you're working on a book about the Beatles. I am. I am. Obviously, Lonely Hearts. Pe- very few people know that Lonely Hearts is actually named after Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band, probably because a lot of the younger generation don't remember Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. That's they true. know the Beatles as a concept or the Beatles songs as rendered or covered by... I Other mean, contemporary artists. Yeah, it's they're, they're globally. This is a it's a very long lived phenomenon. You know? Were you a Beatles fan? Uh, you know, I was dimly aware of them because I was, you know, luck, dimly you know, aware of the Beatles. You know, I, I actually went to school. My first school yeah. was round the corner from the location of a Hard Day's Night set, really? where, where, where they were where they were filming the um, mm-hmm. the bit where they're getting on the train, Marylebone Station. Uh, you know, and and um, I unwittingly walked past that every day on my way to school. 
Um, I thought you I'd unwittingly walked past the Beatles. No, well, yeah, I, I probably would have been. I was probably like four years old at the time, you know. Okay, so sure. I was, um, sure. you know, I mean, it's like bread and butter in England. You know, the bread, butter, and the sure. Beatles would be your, you know, staple diet of. of I understand um, that. Many people said, growing up. <laughs> in the I 70s. think it's a staple diet of everybody who's uh, interested in music or making songs sure. or, or, or songs, you know, full stop. But. You, it's curious that you you dimly recall them, and yet your your book is about the Beatles. Your book is about the Beatles coming to the Philippines. Yeah, I mean, when I say you know, I do have very early memories of um, actually my my dad gave me a copy of uh, Sergeant Pepper. Uh, you know, sure. I must have been about nine years old at the time, and probably just wanted to get rid of me and just go, go away and listen to that. Go away and listen with, to with, that, which, which, which I did. Uh, you know, for quite a while, and that was my introduction formally to it, I think. And then, yeah, look, it's, they've always been there in the background. I've always bought the Red Album, the Blue Album, you know, the sure. compilations. Um, sure. And I just came into it quite casually. But then I think the, the trigger point here was when I was working on a first issue of a, a magazine called Manila Envelope, yeah. which I was doing with Jessica Zafra. And sure. we were compiling, we were compiling things, or she was doing most of it, compiling moments where Filipino culture had intersected with Western culture. Okay. So it's just things like the, um, you know, the, the Ewoks at the end of uh, the third Star Wars. Yeah. When they see something. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow. In, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I just want to uh, say that. Um, I just want to note that you called it the third Star Wars film completely wrong. It's not the third. Chronologically, film, but, chronologically, yeah, chronologically. We're not going to this whole which, episode four, five, yeah, I six. I suppose you also yeah. dimly remember the stuff. Are people kind of disappointed that you're not a Star Wars fan? Like you dimly remember oh, I, I am, Star Wars in your... I appreciate and uh, respect Star Wars. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not an obsessive about it. You, know, I'm, you, I'm you appreciate like and respect Star Wars. Obsessive. Like like I appreciate and respect rugby yeah, or, yeah. or hurling. You know, or curling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get it, but I, I'm, I don't have stickers on my laptop. You know, I understand. With yeah. like, you're not sort of you know. part of the. You're, yeah, you're never going to no. achieve nerd immunity, David. I, I, I'm, I'm not it's aiming for nerd immunity. <laughs> where people become immune because they never go out. You know, much, just watching. Yeah, <laughs> a much sought after status. Yeah, um, no, I, I'm. Anyway, so we were compiling these these moments where. Okay. The Philippines, you know, intersected with Western culture. That was one. I think it's yeah. Keanu Reeves' movie yes. where uh, I forget what what it was now, but there was a Keanu Reeves movie where he's like he goes into hell, and the first language he hears is Tagalog or something. So, so there's all these mm-hmm. moments, and then she pulled mm-hmm. out this thing, which was like there are many moments like that. Um, the, you know, there are quite I a few. I'm there are quite a few. When I hear Tagalog, like I hear somebody <laughs> talking, and I'm in hell. But there, 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 there are quite a few. There's quite a few. They're just little little glimpses. It's weird, you know, because we're such a big country. Mm. 100 plus million people. 13. I think people don't realize how large we are. No, they don't. People don't, don't. realize how big they don't. we are. They don't. Because we, don't, we, we never talk about it. You know? And there's um, 13th largest country in the world by population. And yet there are so few moments where uh, you have this intersection. You know, where, and, and sometimes now it's with you know, Bruno Mars, half Filipino. I understand. Or, you know. This is getting quite depressing, David. So you, you, gotta, <laughs> you gotta pull me through this. Well, okay. So, so one of the one of the many uh, things we, we picked out literary references as well. Sure. Blue afternoon. Um, sure. You know, all these other. Yeah, you know, the beach. The beach. Supposed yeah. to be written here. Tesseract. You know, of course it was he written did here, write but then their old book, an entire book, Tesseract, was based. Yeah, that, that was the difficult sec- second album for him, and it didn't didn't go so well, right? But the beach, 
which was based on here was transposed to Thailand, right? So yeah. in, the, in the end, Thailand got the uh, got the movie and everything. Yeah, and, and of course, there's all the you know apocalypse now, and then there's you know sure. all, all the Vietnam movies, and you know, uh, and there's a this this urban legend that Fritz Lang actually died in Manila. Did you know that? I, I yeah no I you know this is this is like the legend about John leaving his guitar behind him after the concert you know which, oh yeah yeah which, yeah. Um, yeah yeah but yeah so I'm the, selling it I'm actually selling it on <laughs> how many times have you sold it <laughs> uh, For each and every first. sale they have which is like every two days <laughs> okay. so anyway so one of the ended up pulling up this one thing which sure. is the Beatles came here in '66. Sure. And I said, did the Beatles come in in 66? Yeah, 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 it's, it's famous. I said, really? You know, and, it was, and it was there, and I didn't believe it, and there it was, and I looked it up. And I kind of forgot about it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, much later when we were working on the, for the tourism department, this is in 2015, 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. we were again looking for ideas or content that we could highlight. And there were things mm-hmm. like um, Sofia Coppola went to school near, you know, sort of... Um, Pakistan Han Falls or something, you know, is it because they, yeah. And did you they, know that there's a recording of her singing the Philippine national anthem? Really, I didn't know. Yeah, Sofia Coppola. There we go. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but if you go to Belair, there there is no sign of or trace of the movie having been made there, except for mm-hmm. the uh, souvenir shop or something or the bar which says Charlie Don't Surf. You know, which is the, sure. But yeah, so so there's all these things, and we don't. They're not really typically celebrated. It's like Belair is it's not really celebrated as the place where Apocalypse Now was made was actually tourist-wise. There's a certain kind of tourist that would quite like to see that. And there's a certain kind of tourist that would quite like to see Kali Raya, where, where, where the um, Colonel Kurtz sequences <laughs> yeah. were filmed, sure. right? So there's all that. Yeah, um, so the Beatles felt a bit like that. It was like, okay, the Beatles were here. Um, and in other countries where the Beatles have been, there's, there are plaques and monuments and recollections. Sure. I mean, there's entire you know, tours in... Hamburg and Liverpool, obviously, they spent a long time there. But, yeah. uh, you know, I'm sure the Amsterdam Hilton has a, you know, plaque and the room where John and Yoko stayed, stayed mm-hmm. and had their, mm-hmm. you know, bed in for peace. Mm-hmm. So, but you go to the Manila Hotel uh, and the room where they stayed is still there. It hasn't been knocked down. I mean, number hasn't been changed. Mm-hmm. And there's no sense that it's different from any other room. It's just, it's just that room. And mm-hmm. you go to the bar, there's no sign of them. So, it's funny, and it's, it's feel like the reason it's still a bit of a you know a bit of a shameful episode somehow in in mm-hmm. the in the past of this country, mm-hmm. and and it's we haven't really come to terms with it. It's mm-hmm. it's yes, it happened, but something bad happened. I don't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. and you yeah. know let's move on. Yeah. And and I kind of think, well, look, it's fifty five years ago. It's about time we said, yeah, you know, some some things went wrong, but so so we beat up the Beatles. You know, so what? Right. But, you know, the thing is, and this is the other thing, is some people did, but because so little is known about the Philippines overseas, they tend to conflate the politicians and the people. So they, so they will... Absolutely. So overseas, people will just say the Marcuses are the Philippines or were the Philippines and the people are the... You know, so, so there's all mm-hmm. one thing and sure. we don't like them. Whereas really, it's about time we separated out. There were some politicians. There was a lot of people. And mm-hmm. there's this big impact on all these people, which we should celebrate. And it was the, you know, like, as I say in, in, the, in my pitch for the book, it is the largest uh, live audience they ever played to in a single day. 30,000 people in the first show, mm. 50,000 people in the second show. And I think, because I think at one stage at the Rizal Stadium, you could imagine they just stopped checking tickets and they just kind of let everybody in. Let so, people in. So, yeah. 
literally 50,000. So total of 80,000 people in one day, which is more than any, any other day. You know, it was the early days of bands touring anywhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah. at that time, it was likely the, the biggest day of performance of a rock concert that you know, there'd ever been anywhere in the world at that point. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a big cultural moment, but totally overshadowed, unfortunately, by the, um, the mishandling, bungling, or whatever happened with the invitation for them to come to lunch at the palace. Sure. And the sure. subsequent feelings of hurt and this kind of sense of being spurned by, by these popular group. And, you know, that it's a sort, sort some, of a nationalist hurt, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's been described by the guy in charge of, you know, taking care of the Beatles when mm. they were here. They're was called also handlers. the head of the airport. They're called handlers now, right? And he was interviewed later saying that he felt they had insulted Filipino womanhood by, by not going to the, concert, uh, to the palace. And probing into that, and there, there was a biography of Imelda by Catherine Ellison, who's a Pulitzer yeah. Prize winning journalist. We can take that she probably did a pretty good job. Sure. She said that when the guards, this is a moment where the guards come to the Manila Hotel, the Beatles are asleep or not aware of anything that's supposed to be happening. They're groggy, been a long day, that you know, been a hard day's night, whatever. And, and they're, they're just having, <laughs> well, maybe having like dogs. They're sleeping. Yeah, like dogs. Absolutely. Oh, and somebody's yeah. banging on the door. You're, you're late, you're supposed to come to the palace. What palace? What's going on? And then eventually Brian Epstein, the manager, they said, yeah. no, they're not going, uh, not having it, go away, right? Get out, get out of my face, not going, mm-hmm. not happening. Mm-hmm. And somebody somewhere you know, said, it was put to them that they had to go to the palace to, have, to give a special performance, okay? Mm-hmm. And, a command performance, if you will. Well, the word was special performance, and, and the response to that was, if she wants a special performance, she can come up to our room, okay? <laughs> which, was, which, which really mm. sent him over the top. So he's saying, sure. what, what do they mean by that? It's, he, they're insulting all mm. Filipino women. You know, this, this, is, this is now beyond just snubbing the invitation. This is now, mm. you know, a, a gross insult. And you can imagine how somebody might construe those words that way. And you can also imagine how those words could be said sure. and kind of just meant flippantly as a kind of, you know, as a kind of polite way of saying fuck off. But it's just kind of, you know, not really. Well, I've, I've read most of the, if not yeah. all of the accounts of that golden moment where they said fuck off. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it really sometimes redounds to a cultural sort of thing, right? A cultural difference between... Totally, totally. And, and, and I think particularly uh, this, this guy, quite proud, quite... Um, you know, angry. And, and then I think there's another account I heard, which actually Larry Hanaris has written about this. And, sure. and he, he's written about speaking to Kokoi Romualdis after, the, mm-hmm. after this happened and basically saying, are you going to let them get away with this? Is, is this, you know, are, are you going to, you know, they've, they've insulted your sister. What, what are you going to do? And we don't know what he's going to do, but, but next, you know, cut to the next day and there's yeah. a bunch of guys at the airport, you know, kind of. Yeah pushing the band around, not really, a, I, don't, I think they don't really know what to do, but they just want to show Rough displeasure. Up, you know, yeah, just kind of give it, a, just kind of give just, a bit of, you know. Yeah. And of course, it's somehow in the interest of both sides, I think, to play up what happened, because it's in the interest of the loyalists, if you like, from the past mm. to say, we gave them a really hard time going out. Mm. And it's also in the interest of the Beatles in the end to say, God, that place was terrible. They, they, they sure. kicked us and punched us. And, you know. But actually, some witnesses have said it wasn't really that bad it was just they they were never none of the Beatles was actually physically struck one of the roadies fell mm-hmm. over at some point mm-hmm. and the rest of it is kind of all 
bluster and built up. Yeah, built built up to be because it kind of suited both sides at that moment. But what you're um, saying, David, is that they, they just had but a bad is, time. At this the is airport. yet to be. They just had a bad time at pre-departure. They had, they, they had a bad time. How much worse it was, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I've read yeah. like I read that John Lennon, in particular, was really fucking scared. Like he was scared that he would their spirits were lifted when the planes, you know, uh, wheels came off the ground. I, I, I don't know. I mean, look, there, there's an interview with them. It's on the Beatles anthology um, mm. uh, when they arrive back in England. And at, when, when they arrive back in England, they've had five days or something in Delhi in between. So they, they go from here to Delhi. To Delhi. And, in, and when they're in Delhi, that's when they pick up a lot of sitars and start, sure. you know, deepen the... Ravi Shankar. Yeah. yeah. Deepen the whole musical influence sure. uh, the Indian, from India. And... Um, so by the time they get back to England, some time has passed, and they have this interview when they arrive, and mm. the interviewer saying what happened, and it's sort of light-hearted when they're talking about it, and they're talking about, yeah. oh, we hid behind a group of nuns, yeah. oh, we don't yeah. know how many of them, there might have been three, there might have been thirty, yeah. I don't know, and it's just kind yeah. of, it's they're just having fun with it, mm -hmm. but they, okay. I don't get in the sense that like, my God, it was terrifying, you know, it just it just sure. seemed like, yeah, you know, it was, it was a bit of nonsense, and yeah, we, sure. we we just didn't really pay much attention sure. to it. So, um, yeah. So after you've done all the work, done all the research, gotten the hotel numbers, you know, <laughs> what they ate for dinner. Yeah, well, I haven't got that yet. Actually, I do have that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you do. You're a, very <laughs> so, thorough, you're a very thorough man. But what I'm saying is that your conclusion is that it's just completely built up. Because my next question is, what is the angle of your interest? Are you interested as a Filipino? As, is it a, a great sort of illustration of how a culture clash creates this kind of media phenomenon or this media story that's completely built up because it is a story of hype, right? It is, it is, it is, yeah. it is. I yeah. mean, first of all, I'm, I, I'm trying to approach it in an investigative, dispassionate way. I mean, I'm, I'm trying sure. not to go in there with a mm. predetermined conclusion. I, I do think uh, some factors that are playing into this are, mm -hmm. uh, number one, the whole, the, the newness of rock music and global tours is a phenomenon. It almost never been done. You know, it's just starting off. Nobody really knew what they were doing. Yeah, there, there were there were no protocols. Everything's kind of on the fly. It's not like I mean now. I mean, if you look at the look at the kind of contracts that people have now, there's, there's hugely sure. detailed. Then it was like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, let's turn up and see what happens. It's kind of mm -hmm. it was a little bit much more casual. I think the other factors playing in there are again the relative unknown. The things that are unknown about the Philippines are still still not not a well known place mm -hmm. in the West. Um, well, at the time it was called the Far East. We were part of the Far East. Far East, Pearl of the Orient, and you know, and, and my my yeah. father, as uh, you know, was ambassador, Philippine ambassador to the UK in know, in the yeah. early sixties, and he mm -hmm. wrote a speech or gave a speech when he was there, which said that he's felt during his time so few people knew where the Philippines was that he sometimes felt he was kind of imposter you know he was he was a, he was playing an elaborate practical joke you know <laughs> that he's like, that, you know perhaps um perhaps somebody's uh, come and made the country disappear while sure. while he was you know while he's been away sure. you know and and so i think coming from and he you know obviously spent all the all the time before he went there in this mm -hmm. country intensely involved in mm -hmm. well in, in everything from the war to politics law you know law and says to be so immersed in this culture and then go to the other side of the world and no one knows the first thing about it. They don't even know what part of the world you're in. Is it in the Caribbean? Is it in South America? Yeah. yeah. Is, it Philipp is it South the Pacific? 
Is it the Philippines? Is it the, you know, Philippines? You know, so yeah, I hope you never called it the Philippines, David. He only called it that for uh, for effect. So, yeah, was, um, <laughs> I think I'm going to use that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is you can imagine it's sort of an Oscar Wilde play, you know. But so there's that. There's the level of ignorance about the Philippines, which which mm. means that any story about it, you won't trust any other source of it, but the but the people telling you. you you'll only trust. Did you, you grow know. up this way? Well, I mean, I grew up in 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 relative ignorance. I think about. About the Philippines. I mean, I, I you know, I, I knew more more than most, but I still didn't know very much. And and um, yeah. it's easy to go a long time. You could you could live a, an entire lifetime in England and never never hear about the Philippines, really. I mean, maybe now you can, you would because the increasing number of Filipinos there. But but I think yes, um, uh, yeah. of course, our our, our labor export uh, entire labor export sector is responsible for for us being on the map. For spreading the brand, worse. yeah, yeah. I mean, and for better or for worse. Uh, Monoc- Monocle did a, a book on country branding, and, and their symbol mm-hmm. for the Philippines was the nurse, and that, that's that's the that is again the, for better or for worse. The right? representative, yeah. The cult. So mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. back then uh, it was it was not well known. So 1966, Philippines wouldn't have been top of anyone's, you know, sure. uh, name Tourist. places. But yeah. but at that time. Manila was one of the three big cities in Asia. You know, it was, yeah. it was, you know, there's no other place in Southeast Asia you would have gone. Singapore only became independent in 65. And, yes. and at that time, it was in no condition or had mm-hmm. no inclination, I think, to hold any concerts. Wouldn't mm-hmm. have happened in KL, wouldn't have happened in Jakarta, mm-hmm. wouldn't even have happened in Bangkok, I don't think. So, this is, mm-hmm. if you're going to go touring in the Far East, you know, Tokyo, yes. Where else? Yeah. Oh, Manila, right? That's of course, yeah. right? It's the, you know, I suppose it was a, a, yeah. the, the exotic, the go-to exotic place. Right? But also, you know, because of the American influence, still um, sure. big on commercial radio, big on TV, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lots of music. You know, I mean, the, and the people I've spoken to from that era first heard their first Beatles song over the radio. So, mm-hmm. the head of the Beatles fan club here at that time. So oh, right. nice yeah. lady called Josie, yeah. Josie Leorado. She's still alive. And, yeah. and she told me that she heard, she first heard, the first Beatles song she heard was, um, I saw her standing there. Mm-hmm. And, and she heard it on the radio before going to school, you know, and, and I think there's even that probably wouldn't have happened in most Asian countries. There, there wouldn't be a radio station playing Absolutely. the Beatles, you mm-hmm. know, and here, with all that American, in a sense, the Beatles probably felt like an American phenomenon. They probably came here sure. via the yes. West Coast and sort of came here, you know, mm-hmm. because they were so big in America, mm-hmm. it's natural they would come here, yeah. just in just musically. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that, those are the conditions. But going back to why it's culturally important or what my thought, thought is, why it's mm-hmm. worth doing, is that I think you have a moment where uh, celebrity, in a sense, trumps political power. And and so you have the a moment where I mean there's never been a celebrity at that time in the Philippines big enough to let's say outrank the highest ranking politician, sure. and sure. here accidentally I think but no less powerfully a celebrity yeah. said in a in a sense you know in in so much through their actions that I'm more important than you are okay so yeah. so you yeah. may want me to come to lunch with you but you know what it's my day off so yeah. you know yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. and you know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it'd be great, but I, I'm me, and I'm, I'm a global celebrity, and you know what? I can do without your approval or, or disapproval. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it is not mm-hmm. what I'm living for. 
Whereas mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, for the newly elected uh, president and first lady at that time, mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, the, the, you know, the idea that somebody would not want to sure. have a, a sort of lunch in their honor mm-hmm. given on behalf of the whole nation. You know, I mean, I'm thinking not, if I were president uh, no, and Rihanna not, came for a concert, yeah. I, I would feel <laughs> personally offended. I would ask her first to, yeah. to, uh, to, co- to command performance, and then I'm sure I would be very offended by her answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the thing is because you know because look, the Philippines itself is only in its 20th year of independence, right? But Philippines became yeah. independent 1946. 1946, yeah. From, from the US. Let, let's put aside the, the first revolution. Let's just, sure. you know, the, the independence from the Americans, 1946. So 20 years sure. of independence. Not so many protocols have built, been built up. Because what, ha- mm-hmm. what happens in, like the Beatles went to get their MBEs from Buckingham Palace, okay, the year mm-hmm. before. And what happens there, the Queen does not invite directly. The Queen doesn't say, can you come and get your MBE? And you could say, no, sorry, I'm busy that day. What happens is that somebody else, the Queen's equerry says, Her Majesty is thinking of inviting you on this day. Would you be able to come? Yes or no, right? And you say yes. And then the invitation comes from the Queen saying, now that you've already said yes, now she's going to invite you. So I think there's... This is the protocol. They were... This is the the official... Well, this is is how royalty royalty stops the perception of being snubbed. Like you is this how I book a meeting with you? This is how I booked a meeting with you, David. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because because you <laughs> because <laughs> if you if you turn them down, you, you're not turning them down. You're turning turning the secretary down. Sure. Yeah. So sure. So I think yeah. the problem here is is that somehow this invitation was made. Imelda mm. or somebody said to Imelda, "Would mm. you like the Beatles to come?" And she said, "Yeah, sure, it'd be great." Or or she said, "Get me the Beatles t- to come." And one of those two things happened. And those were the days where. Touring and getting a band to tour in your country was not as simple a fact as calling their tour manager or calling their handler or their agent, right? It was a thing that just happened, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think there were oh, there, there were plans. That, I mean, there, there was certainly an advanced party that came here. I, I feel like mm. something as important as that, somebody, there must have been an invitation sent. And some of the accounts I read was, yes, it was sent, but it was lost to, it was it was sure. trodden underfoot. It was passed around. It was not acted mm. on. Sure. And it was just like, whatever, we'll deal with it later. That mm. kind of thing. You know, it's a rock mm. band on tour, for God's sake. You know, it's not, it's not, we're not talking about, yeah. you know, sort of a... Sort of, a sort of went across the universe, so, you know. Um, you know. <laughs> it, went, it, went, it went across, it went out beyond the known universe. And, and so, for whatever reason, it sort of got lost. Or maybe mm. it was turned down. The other theory is that it was turned down earlier but mm. the local promoter didn't really want to go back to the palace and say they've turned you down mm. you know to defer the problem you know that was sure. another possibility whatever reason they felt the invitation had been given they hadn't heard back an acceptance no one had, no one definitely came back and said they're coming mm. but you know i think in this country rsvps are not that common right I mean, normally if you it's kind of just assumed People not at come. all. Not at all. Yeah, it's kind of assumed. And no always means maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Means, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Yes means maybe. Maybe means no. Yeah. No, no yeah. can mean maybe. You know. I, I think. I think there are about nineteen ways of saying maybe. Right. I think there's, there's a lot of maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And varying degrees from possibly to absolutely not. But anyway, there's a <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Siguro. <laughs> yeah. Siguro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So funny that siguro. You know. Yeah. It's sure. Yeah. But it's also maybe. Yeah, we'll try. Best effort. 
Best effort. Yeah, best effort. Best effort. Yeah. No, no. We'll, we'll follow. We'll follow. It's another one. I mean, if <laughs> yeah. only they said we'll follow. I love yeah. it. That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> or, or there's another one. Titingnan uh, ko. I'll see. Right. I'll see right. if I can go. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see. What are you going to see? Like, what, what are you going to check? Like, your mood or your, your you know? Yeah. Your schedule? Yeah. Doesn't Something. matter. I'll see, you know? And then, of course, there's always on the way. Someone can be on oh. the way. Someone <laughs> can be on the way for a long time. <laughs> Someone can be on the way for a long time, you know? It's, um, yeah. But, <laughs> Are you on the way to finishing this book? <laughs> Probably, <maybe>. yeah. <laughs> You'll um, see. You'll see. Yeah. I'm just parking. I'm just parking the book. Well, that excuse no longer applies in an age of Zoom calls, right? You can't really just sure. be parking. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the connection equi- problems. Now it's like connection, connection problems. problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My son is using up the bandwidth because he's on, uh, you know, synchronous schooling. You know, yeah, yeah, I, I've yeah. used all of them. I've used all of them. <laughs> Yeah, screen died, battery died. Mm, and I feel a little bit like John Lennon whenever I do it, you know. <laughs> I feel a little bit like the Beatles. Rock and roll. Night, rock in 1966, and roll. right? Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I do my bit, you know, I do my bit. So, yeah. So going back to that, yeah. it's a very fuzzy thing. And you've told me that a lot of people are tight-lipped about it. 55 years later, people still yes. don't want to talk about it. Yes, this is true. This is a mystery. This is a magical mystery for me. It is. It is. I mean, I mean, the only people willing, the people willing to speak up about it, are like ordinary fans who are not really connected with the political thing, and they they they're very happy to speak about their experience of the concert. Um, I imagine they must be proud to have seen the Beatles. You know? Yeah, I mean, they they speak about it like it was yesterday. I mean, they and they're, they're these they're these um, ladies that yeah, are members. We're going to go thank- through all the puns today. <laughs> I well, that wasn't even intentional. That was uh, yeah. That's they, the beauty of the Beatles. That's 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 really the the yeah. It's a bit like Shakespeare, isn't it? You're going to end like up Shakespeare. You know, the day breaks, quite... and you think of all these things. You know. <laughs> yeah, we're going to we're going to quote them uh, all the way. So yeah, I think there 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 are people willing to speak about it that way. But some of the, um, I mean, the one instance I did have was there was a friend whose uncle was one of the security detail at the airport, mm-hmm. who I asked if I could phone him up and even as background to say what happened and. Mm-hmm. After a lot of turning and you know, said, you know what? No, he, it, they just they just don't want to make any comment. Might really? might come out. Yeah. So, but as a security officer, he wasn't employed by the government. He wasn't a government man. I mean, he wasn't a Marcos man. I think he may have been. I, th- I think he may have been. You know, because okay. I think all of the because in those days, the airport was headed by a political appointee. Sure. So all the people there would have been. Somehow, guys. So yeah, people are not very willing to speak about it because it was a bit of a mess, you know. And it's like nobody really wants to be associated with a bit of a mess. But Mm -hmm. you know, again, it's so much water under the bridge. You know, fifty-five years. And I wonder, um, David. You know, and and I was writing a story about this. I wonder if anybody was proud and remains proud. You know, of of what happened. Of yeah, you know, I proud. I'm proud that I was able to like. You know, lay a punch on 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 John Lennon. You know, no, there, there is there is someone like that, and they they've been they've given interviews in um, America because some of the people involved, some of the people on that side, uh, emigrated to the states. They went to live sure. in California, sure. and um, they've been interviewed. And yeah, you know, uh, there is a guy who's proud to have laid a punch on John Lennon, but I don't think he did. What is your go-to Beatles biography? Okay, well, there's one guy because got- mine is Goldman. I mean, I was always a Goldman. You know. There's there's a guy called Mark Lewison who okay. uh, helped who worked on the Beatles anthology 
to begin yeah. with. So he's close to them. And then he's written this encyclopedic. I mean, I mean, when I say encyclopedic, the joke mm. is that it's a, say it's a 600-page first volume of wow. the Beatles biography, which goes up to 1962. Okay, And so Ringo only appears on page 400. That's so how it's complex. It's best, like there's a lot about the rest of them a lot about hamburg but it's in yeah. it's encyclopedic and um oh. possibly way too detailed for many people but mm-hmm. i listened to the whole thing on on audiobook and it's um mm-hmm. it's yeah it's it's got everything there so he's good but there's another guy well there's there's another guy called jonathan gould who wrote can't buy me love which is about the mm-hmm. relationship between the Beatles, Britain and America, which mm. is really interesting. interesting. That's very interesting. And, and it's about how his, his main thesis is that the Beatles came in and rejuvenated America after the JFK assassination in mm. 1963. So 63, mm. November, mm. everyone is in America. Is he British? Is he already British? Probably. Probably. Yeah, yeah I knew it. Probably knew it. playing up yeah. Britain's role. Sure, throughout. I knew yeah. it. The, but, the but, Empire. <laughs> the Empire strikes back. I just want to go back to Star Wars because you really need to know the knowledge. <laughs> Um, and then and the other one is uh, is just been published last year. It's called mm. um, has two titles in Britain. It's called One Two Three Four, uh, The Beatles in Time by Craig Brown. And um, that one is has an alternative title in the US. It's called One Hundred and Fifty Glimpses of the Beatles mm. because it's a book with one hundred and fifty chapters, and 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 some of them main, mainly very short sure. chapters, obviously. Um, I do hope. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he mixes in, if you like, archival research with some first-hand stuff, mm. and he throws in some of his own speculation. He's a sort of comedian humorist anyway, so he, he finds funny things to okay. say. But, but um, So those are my current three. And do they write about the, uh, the incident equally? I mean, the same no, I mean, in, in fact, well, okay, Mark Lewison is working on his second volume, which will include Manila and... And that will presumably, yeah. yeah, he will have everything from the brand of tires on Jesus. the plane to, yeah. you know, what kind of car mm-hmm. it was they drove. Yeah, he, he will, mm-hmm. you know, wow. he will have, he'll have everything, I, 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 at least in my, imagine, in, in my imagined version. Yeah, that's, that's, that's coming up. It's coming up. So, uh, Craig Brown doesn't mention Manila at all, hardly. And yeah, Jonathan Gould, it's, it's not big. It's not big. But some of them do. And some of them get it wildly wrong. There's, I mean, or at least I think they do. They have yeah. a press, the press conference is there for high security reasons, whatever. Mm-hmm. From there, they get on a boat and go out to sea, okay? And this is mm-hmm. like just around the bay, right? This, and this mm-hmm. boat is, um, belongs to the Elizalde family. And, okay. and so they're out there. And Elizalde, I think, own the TV5 network or something yeah. at that point. So they're out there on the boat. And it seems pretty, by all accounts, respectable, possibly, you know, a little bit dull. I mean, they're, they're, they're eating. This is how I know what they had for dinner. They had steak for dinner and they, you know, they, they, they have all this. Um, Brian is very unhappy to be on the boat. He said, what are we doing on this bloody boat? Get, get me back to shore. So, so they end up going back on the boat. And I think at some point, some friends of the family come out and bother them. It's like 18 people. But in this other biography, this Bob Spitz biography, he says that somehow they've laid on hookers on the boat and that there's, there's a whole like, you know, uh, party going on on the boat, which which I don't see. There's no there's no reference or justification for that anyway. I, I, it's not. It just seems to be thrown in there. For, I like it that he, you say hooker. You know, 
Well, that's, I'm using I'm using his I'm using his terms. Yeah, yeah um, <laughs> I, I haven't had heard that term in like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> This is, this is an American writer, after all. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so there's, there's a lot of weirdness going in there, which doesn't mm. seem to be justified by the facts. And um, I think you just assume that, you know, a boat, put the Beatles on a boat. Yeah. Well, obviously, the, hookers are going to be there, right? You know? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's, like, what it's, would they be uh, doing on a boat without hookers? Well, <laughs> you know, that, that's a great question. But I, I, I don't think... Um, by all accounts, it was absolutely not that kind of. It was just it was kind of a nice, quiet dinner on the bay, and, and there's you know record mm-hmm. of a conversation sure. that George Harrison has hostess, and she's saying, "Yeah, we, we, when all this is over, we'd love to come back to Manila and and see what it's really like." You know, of course, a day later he was saying, "We'll never come back unless it's with an eight Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah that was um, that was odd, and then and then they you know from there they they get taken to the hotel. So there's there's that biography. So. Are you a Beatles fan? Uh, you could say so. You, you absolutely could say so. I, you know, I'm are you being like? Are you being British by like sort of downplaying <laughs> everything? Like, yeah, I'm a bit of a Beatles fan. Yeah, I listened to the 1,000 page audio book. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I'm doing it in the in the aid of a piece of work, and sure. I, feel, I feel like this is a piece of work could be useful to leave behind. You know, there, as there, a matter of history. Yeah. This is like history. Yeah, just, just like writing history. Yeah. Writing history. I'm, I'm attempting to. I'm attempting to. Yeah. So, you know, uh, this is interesting because yeah. recently I saw, I don't know if you've seen this, like, I'll watch anything these days. Like, put anything in front of me. I'll fucking watch it, right? Whatever, right? Yeah. So somebody put Age of Samurai in front of me. Mm-hmm. It's this mini series on, you know, uh, this great age of the samurai. And th- they got a bunch of, like, both white and Japanese scholars to talk about the age of samurai. Like Tokugawa thought this, Tokugawa thought that. And I'm thinking, who is validating this? Did you read the primary text? Like, were there accounts of somebody who was really there and Tokugawa was saying, you know, I think right, yeah, right, he's right. planning that. You yeah, know? Yeah. So there's, this is, historicity is, is another thing, right? Yeah, I'm, and, I'm, I'm quite against that. I, I think they... People warn against that, and they say that you know you, yeah. you need to base what you're saying on you know observable facts or recorded facts. Because if you start saying, you know, the um, the lab technician was eating a tuna sandwich as he inspected the you know sure. the, the microscope, I mean, it's, how how did he know that? How could he possibly know that? So so there is um, yeah, you have to be careful about throwing things in. But mm. at the same time, the more weirdly specific something is, the more believable it is too. So you need to get your facts. You need to get your your um, your detail. But mm. then it needs to somehow work as a narrative. It has to be something. It can't just be a list of facts. It's got to be. Mm. It's got to have a kind of point to it. A kind of narrativity, a story, yeah. You yeah. Know, if you will. And that's interesting because it also determines, you know, any historian's or writer of history's choice of subject, like you chose this particular subject, mm. it's an action that happens. It's a story. Yeah. The bees are so big, they go, they go to head to the Far East, they get roughed up, they get off a plane, I'm happy, you know? And it's a battle between two, like two major royal figures, you know, two huge figures, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, so, and it's, uh, well, I think what appeals to me about it mm-hmm. is, and maybe, you know, it's, is, is that you can investigate, you know, essentially, one full day and two half days and and yeah. say, what do we learn about what happened and what are all the forces that led to this happening? And it's, it's just a way of 
analyzing some events you know, from a number of perspectives. I think what's also interesting is that 1966, in 1966, live television probably had just been invented. I don't, I don't know the facts. Yeah, I, I do yeah. know that. Yeah, you know? So the spread of news or any information would have been, would have almost never been from the primary source. You would have had heard it from somebody else who had digested it, who had gone through it, that applied their own sort of embellishment to it. Is that what interests you also? Like this layer upon layer of different... I mean, you're in media, obviously, you, you know. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, it's, it's interesting how... Um, I mean, obviously, newspapers were, were, were a big force in those days. Mm. And mm. Um, print journalists and the whole... You know, actually, the Beatles had a really interesting relationship with the press. They, their first big press conference was when they landed in New York, 1964... February 1964, something like that, and they and they they're being introduced to the New York Press Corps, which is not an easy bunch, right? And they're, sure. they're some of the most hard bitten journalists, they're sure. out they're out there to to take them down, really, and and they throw loads of questions at them, and they just kind of bat them back with with kind of humor and charm, and, um, charm, huh? well, and, and a little bit of bit of uh, interest as well, you know. So they come back mm. and say. Um, play us some music. Oh, no, we don't do that unless you pay us money. You know, and, and it's, so, so there's just a little I'm bit just of, warning you that you're, you're slowly revealing that you're actually a Beatles fan, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's hard not to love them, but, but, you know, but they're also very human. <laughs> the other one is um, fast forward to the press conference here in the... Mm. In the, at, that, at, the, at the Navy. The Philippine Navy headquarters. Yeah. And mm. the... Filipino journalists are not really up to speed with that kind of game. They're not, they're not seeing, you know, because there's a real, I mean, the Beatles for this time have done hundreds of press conferences. Hmm. I mean, and, they, and they're getting more and more impatient with dumb questions. They're getting more and more like, they're, they're going to fire straight back at you with, with like a, you know, with like a rocket. If, sure. if you've got, if you, if you say something they, they're not, you know, interested in. So most of the questions that they get asked kind of get a kind of rude or, Perfunctory response. Snippy, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What song are you working on? Philippine blues, you know. <laughs> when, when he, you know yeah. why, you, yeah. why did you marry your wives for the sex? You know, so, so there's all these kind of things that <laughs> there isn't a good rapport. Let's put it that way. No, I remember, I remember reading a transcript of that interview. I remember reading an article about that interview and they, they did say that and the press was kind of... Yeah, there's, there, there's no warmth, there's no rapport. It's just like, oh, these, yeah. these, yeah. these yeah. kind of smelly, dirty Englishmen, who do they think they are, coming over here, you know, being rude. You know, and this is even, this is even before the snub, right? This is mm-hmm. even before the snub. And then, yeah, they have the next, the next day. And then, of course, by the time they leave and everything's happened, press ends up even less favorable, obviously. But, you know, and you have people like Joe Guevara's making jokes about them mm-hmm. in, in the newspaper. Um, and then Nick Joaquin writes about the whole thing in the Philippines Free Press uh, about yeah. a week later. Yeah. And it's, got, it's a much-quoted article mm-hmm. yeah. from Yeah, Yeah to Go, Go. And, and he's, yeah. But he, he's actually quite subversive in what he writes. He does say, look, they were cool, but we weren't cool enough to get them. It's, it's kind of what he was saying. And he's, he's actually quite self-critical in the sense, you know, saying that the Philippines yeah. wasn't ready for them and, yeah. and we were only adopting the style of the Beatles rather than understanding that they represented a countercultural revolution against, sure. you know, the old order. Whereas, mm-hmm. essentially, this is still very much a place where the old order 
you know, wants sure. to hold on to its position, or at least yeah. has only just acquired, you know. Uh, I think place. the Beatles, of course, represented the sort of counterculture yep. that, you know, institutional Britain with its brutalist, you know, architecture, you know, sort of set off. There was none of that here, you know, there was none of that here. None of that sort of punk rock revolution that happened here. Yeah, I think, I mean, the thing is, what happened in Britain, I think at, at first, the Beatles were, were quite upset, a lot of people, you know, and, and they, they sure. uh, when they got their MBEs, the, a lot of old colonels sent their medals back in Prague. They said, I'm not, if you're giving it to them, it's an insult to all the people you gave, you know, win the war, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the British establishment was smart enough to realize that they needed to embrace this new phenomenon, that they needed to kind of bring them on side and say, look, you know, we, we, lo- we love what you're doing. You're, you're actually projecting a role for Britain beyond as, as the empire goes into decline. As well, this the is, a, goes, this is, a, this is yeah. a process and this is an ev- the evolutionary process of every sort of sufficiently advanced culture, you know, again, yeah. for better or for worse, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, the, the, the kind of the hard power gets translated into soft power, and and, and they yeah, were yeah, they yeah. were they were sort of um, at the vanguard of this new soft power, mm-hmm. which um, ultimately, and maybe not too long after they started, were embraced by the establishment. Um, much though, they Beatles kind of hated it in a way, but they but they also benefited from it. So there was a we're anti-establishment, but we're not that anti-establishment. You know, we're still going to, we're, we're most, three out of four kept the medals. Uh, it's a story of capitalism. <laughs> we're very much participants in this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, true, 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 true. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, George was, um, you know, he's ended up, he wrote a song about complaining about paying too much taxes, you know, in in, uh, in Revolver, you know, which is... We're talking about Taxman. Taxman, which, which, which actually, yeah. I mean, you stop and think about it. It's, why on earth are you singing about that? You know, because, I mean, of all things. What is your favorite Beatles album? I would still, maybe just because I got, you know, it was made the deepest impression on, on me. I, I'm still going with Sgt. Peppers. I'd put Abbey Road as my second, actually, because cause really? I, the, just because of side two of Abbey Road sure. is sure. Uh, so magical. I think it's just this, this incredible medley of songs. Mm. So, yes, and I, I just like, maybe because, again, this is one of those ones where the whole package of, the iconography, I don't know, the, the, just, just, just the whole moment that it captures is very interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's um, interesting because I think talking about Abbey Road, yeah. they became complete sort of pop stars, you know? Yeah. They were the subject, they were the object of, of desire. They themselves were sort of a, very self-aware of what they had become. Yeah. You know, they had become a proper brand, you know? I would like, yeah. I would like but, to think. And, and, well, and apparently the title came about because they're looking for a title. I think Ringo said, why do we call it Everest? You know, <laughs> we had to go there and shoot it in Everest. And I said, well, why don't we call it Abbey Road and just go and shoot it outside? So they, yeah. they, they, <laughs> I, love, I love the idea that, you know, you could just, you're just like, yeah, that's, that's a lot easier. It's just to step out of the door and be photographed <laughs> crossing the road as opposed Rather to than, going yeah. the other side of the world and, and sit on the bottom of a mountain. So I think... Um, hmm. I love that about it. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I think look, there's something to love about all of the albums, really. I think um, I've, I've gone back and listened to a lot of the early ones mm. now, too, and um, I like with the Beatles and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a friend who's 
going to write a piece about Please Please Me. Um, oh, sorry, about Beatles for Sale, which is, mm. um, again, recorded in the time it took to record one track, I think, of... Um, and you know this because, you, you know, you, you, and yet you say, yeah, I'm a bit of a Beatles fan. I just <laughs> want to know if... No, no, what, what interests me now is you seem to be an interested person, you know. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. You know, I mean, the, the, more, you, mm-hmm. the more you know about the Beatles, the more you... Mm-hmm. you know, you stumble into these you know, podcasts like this or, 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 or um, you know, video yeah. chats with people who know so much more. And there are, there yeah. are people who's, you know, you know how the, you know, the, the Zoom background, maybe you've got one yourself where, where there's some books in the background. These, these no, guys... this is not the Zoom background, I just want to say. <laughs> um, these are real books. I've actually <laughs> read some of them. There's, there's no really. creases in the, yeah. But, no, no. <laughs> but, but there, there are guys with, with just, you know, wall stacked with vinyl Final, you know, floor to ceiling, sure. um, and yeah. and there are these real um, massive experts. I, I, you know, I was going to put um, on books to read. John Savage has written a book about 1966. Um, mm-hmm. well, guy, John Savage yeah. really is a sort of, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are so many like super experts in these things. So no, I I, I kind of see myself as a very much on the the amateur end of 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 that. But this is interesting. You know, what interests me is that you would spend so much time thinking about this and going over it and going over something that sort of people have already established. The Beatles came, we were so bad to them, they left. You know, end of story. And for you, it's, a, it's an object of incredible interest. Could have been interested in other things. Uh, because it says something about, it says something about the way the Philippines is perceived overseas and maybe it says something about how we feel about foreigners, celebrities, music. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's sort of an instructive thing to look at. And it's also far enough in the past that, that mm-hmm. you don't, you know, that you can come to it with some objectivity and maybe not so far in the past that you don't have any source material to work with. So for me, it's just this, this ideal thing to think about. I do wonder in the end whether, you know, what the investigation will really Get to it. Actually, and, and I wonder what, what, if it will change your mind about the whole subject. You know, <laughs> it may well do. It may well like, do. I, yeah, I mean, I, I've already changed my mind about it a couple of times. I've, I've gone from, you know, both both extremes on this one, and I, I we'll probably end up with a, you know, a story of human frailty and. Um, You're shaking and, your head you as know, you say the, this, like, oh God, it's going to end up another like human interest, you know. <laughs> Netflix. No, I just. Uh, I just <laughs> <laughs> while waiting I mean, for the next season of the crown thing you know yeah <laughs> i'm not sure we're going to get to any dramatic revelations i, I don't know I, I think but i just think just understanding it better will mm-hmm. help us move on from it because otherwise i don't think mm-hmm. that we've i think it i think it deserves a bit of interest and i don't think it's sufficiently moved on because it right into just being a kind of short episode in somebody else's youtube channel saying the worst day the Beatles ever had was in Manila, Philippines, sure. and this has happened. Yes. And I just feel like, hang on a minute, there's, there's, there's a little bit more to say about this. Uh, this is the only country, this is the only developing country they ever played in. Well, this is the moment when maybe when they said, we don't want to tour anymore. So, so this I understand, is, I understand. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of, you know, and this is also, let's, let's, let's not forget, country that's just emerged from a long period of colonialism. Mm-hmm. And um, perceives the whole thing differently, you know. Perceives for English guys turning up 
playing music a bit differently maybe than than it, than they're perceived if they go to Australia or they or they, or they go to um, Sweden or something. It's just, it's just different. It's certainly a very rich story. It's certainly a very rich story. And, and I, I'm I'm gonna like back up and take back what I said about talking about advertising because I'm gonna connect this to your to your life as an advertising copywriter, which you describe yourself as. And I'm yes. a copywriter also. I describe myself as a copywriter. Sure. Like, do you see a, a big difference between working on a book of facts, book of history, where every detail matters, every sort of nuance matters, and it might lead nowhere. <laughs> might lead somewhere, it might lead nowhere. There's certainly yeah. a narrative, but the narrative doesn't favor anything. There's no big, there could be no big idea. What I'm saying, right, right, right. But the advertising copywriter is, you know, concerned about the big idea, concerned about this. I'm not even talking about the client yet or the yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're asking, is there an idea in this book? No, well, I'm asking, or, yeah. what kind of mind, you know, do you have? Unless you think about brands as things with histories and nuance and stuff like that, and you're inter and you're deeply, you're this deeply interested and invested in brands that you love yeah, or that you love to write for? One of the things that's happened in advertising over the last, say, 20 years is that you've gone from formatted media with, you know, 30-second TV commercials, 30-second radio spots, full-page press ads. That was kind of it. That was, that was it. Sure. Maybe a billboard. And that yeah. was it. This is where ads were. Everything mm -hmm. else was not ads, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're in a world where kind of everything is half ad and half not ad, you know, and there's this sure. kind of Advertising is everywhere and everything, and everyone's doing it. And it's not really the province of professionals anymore. It's, anyone can do it. Anyone's got, everyone's got a social media channel. Everyone, everyone can say things. Now, the question is, how effectively can you get it across? And can you do it you know, more effectively than your competitors? Or can you mm -hmm. establish an idea? Or can you establish something? So for me, this, this is a still answering the client brief way, way back of how do you make the Philippines interesting and how do you get more understanding and empathy towards, mm -hmm. towards the Philippines? You know, and I think this is a good place to start or is it, it's a good place for me to start because I have a foot in both camps. You know, I can, I can, I grew up in England. I know the world in which they're from a bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I have that uh, background and I have, and obviously I spent um, 25 plus years here. So, so mm -hmm. a long, long definite understanding of both sides and i'm just trying to see can we use this to gain mm -hmm. to deepen understanding of this country in a way that is genuine and mm -hmm. you know and doesn't and unpretentious you know and, and it's just like okay here's this thing and and here's what happened and sure. here's here's some of the characters involved and sure. so this is it's not so different to you and me kind of thing in, from the west it's also ironic though david yeah. i just you know that you wrote more fun in the philippines and you write about the Beatles you know, getting beaten up in the Philippines. Well, I just want to say that you know. I think we always had in with that with with that line. We, we always had in mind the idea that you know that it's fun, and sometimes you need to keep focused on the fun and and not worry too much about some of the things that oh, might, get, might get in absolutely. the way. So yeah, so I think in the end, yeah, nobody really. I think if you really examine all the people involved, you know, that, that there's, you'll, you'll get to a better understanding of them. And it's mm. never quite black and white. It's a little, it's gray, mm. shades of gray all mm. over it. So mm. I think um, it's worth doing from that perspective. But yeah, I mean, and so in terms of advertising, 
you know, more and more we're getting into things like making products or getting into things like doing longer form films. And it's interesting. Mm. And one, this is one of the pandemic effects is that we've all been spending a lot of time watching Netflix documentaries, or at least I have. And, and suddenly sure. we, we yeah. become interested in mm. corals or we become interested in vegan food or we become interested What's wrong with in, that? I've always been interested in corals. I, mean, I, 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 re- like- I really didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand yeah. the first thing until I saw one mm. the other day. And, and, I, and this, you know, you realize, I mean, we, I mean, we are now very kind of receptive to mm. well-made documentaries. You know, of, of in, in other words, we're sort of now sort of aware of these granularities, you know, that exist. Yeah. Yeah. Instead and, of and like we, just a general idea, you know. Yeah. You can actually Absolutely. dwell on things, you know. And also, no, I think history gives power and importance to a place. I mean, if you look at how every aspect mm. of European and American history has been dug into, exposed, brought to life in such a way that mm. we're all awed by it. And we think, wow, isn't it fantastic? But we're not telling, we're not saying, we don't have the same level yet of storytelling about our own history, about Philippine history. Sure. It's not yet, we, we haven't really had, you know, the crown level no, movies. in fact, we're still on the very nursery level thinking that uh, Lapu-Lapu actually physically like killed Magellan with his own yeah. hands. You know, we're still in that level of sort of myth. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, until you someone brings it to life with, you know, powerful acting and, and great direction and movie, you know, you're, you're not really going to get a broad based understanding in which which you now do. You now have millions of people around the world who now think they understand the British monarchy because of the crown, you know, sure. and, and it's, it's a pretty, so let's add Oprah's interview. <laughs> yeah. That's the bonus episode. Yeah. That's the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. bonus episode at the end of season five. And I'm going to draw this interview to a close with this great sort of, you're filling in one of the greatest blanks in our history. I, do, I wouldn't you know. say that. I wouldn't say that. No, I, I want to say that oh, because oh, one black is Lapu-Lapu versus Magellan. And if you go through social media, everybody's talking about it. Some people are f- suing people because of what they think about what really happened. You know, okay. there's this yeah. thing. Yeah. And then there's the thriller in Manila, you know. Yep. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know if you remember Ang Lee when she, he came over. I was still with the Film De- 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 Development Council of the Philippines. He was really planning on making a thriller in Manila movie. Wow. And he had gone around uh, wow. Folk Arts Theater with, where it was held, right, to, to watch it. So there are th- these great touch points between East and West that happen here. These are incredible stories of our yeah. history. And they're yeah. slowly yeah. being made into movies or books. But I still like to say that I always prefer the book version over the movie version. Right, you know? right. Um, well, I, think, I, I think I love um, movies that are derived from books. I mean, I, I, I love it when, you know, you actually have a substantial you know, idea or, or narrative that you're drawing from to make the movie and, and adapting it. But it always feels to me like you make a very good movies out of that. And plays as well. Plays seem to be informing a lot of, Good movies now. Oh, theater is really absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I really do look up to the theater. This is why I love London, actually, because you know it's a birthplace of theater, birthplace of English, therefore oh, the birthplace yeah. of a particular narrative, also. Particular oh, narrative. Like, yeah, there's a. I'm looking at a movie called One Night in Miami recently, mm-hmm. which which is based on a play, and yeah, it's it's the moment where uh, Muhammad Ali becomes Muhammad Ali. You know, from wow. he comes out and names, and, it, wow. and it, it's an evening. You know, with him and Malcolm. It's an imagined evening with him and Malcolm. I've only X. seen one night in Paris. I, I, I don't know if you okay. 
I'll send it to you. Okay. It's a okay. Paris Hilton sex tape, actually. <laughs> uh, it's called, it's called, literally, it's called One Night in Paris. I just want to see. It might get blocked by my spam block. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but yes, I think it, it would be it'd be great to do that. I'm, right now, all I can think of doing is putting together this book proposal, um, mm-hmm. trying to get someone to buy it, and then spending another year writing it up. You know, that's, 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 my, that's my goal. After and, this book, are you going to be done with the Beatles? Are you going to be through with them? Well, I, I don't mind. Yeah, I may still listen to them, but yes, I, I you think, may still listen to I them. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I think after no, I'm I'm, doing, I'm switching over to Taylor Swift after this. But no, I, I think mm. I think no, there, there are other topics. I think that you know I'd love to turn my attention to, but right now this is it. And this is it until I, until I'm done. I can't I can't let it go. That's I it. love it that you sort of you have this sort of monomanic you know, mind, <laughs> I, I, I wish it was, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I do get distracted by other things, but, uh, but this is, I think there comes a point where you've, if you do enough on something, you, you almost have to get, you get to a point where you begin to understand it a bit better anyway. So, so that's, I understand that's that. yeah, happy to get to I that. Understand that. Yeah. And um, I want to thank you for telling us more about what happened and for working on this. Well, thanks for the opportunity, and it's it's, it's certainly helpful to me to be able to <laughs> pour to, to, some of this out, <laughs> pour some of my yeah. Uh, yeah, pour my heart out on this. So, so thank you. I want to thank you for being on both sides. You know, okay. <laughs> no, because that's very, it's very, you know, and writing about it. That's the thing about history. You know, people have been everywhere on every side of history. They've seen a lot of things, but what matters is when somebody puts it to paper. You know, when somebody commits to getting all the data to getting all that information and writing it down. There's a huge difference between history as lived, even history as remembered, you know, and history as written. You know? And it's an incredible commitment, incredible achievement. Well, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah, please finish it before the last beetle dies. No, I, I, want, I just want to say, please, please finish it before Ringo dies. Yes, you know? yes, yes. I, I just, just want to say that because uh, who will be playing at your, at your book launch? You can't have Julian Lennon. Can't have Julian Lennon, you know, uh, playing his one song. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just aiming to to get it done as quickly as I can. Absolutely. So, um, I I thank you for the encouragement that you you're giving me, and um, and I I will do my very best to make it great. You will be 64 in X number of years, so you need you do need to finish this. I need to get a move on. Absolutely. Before you're 64. Thank you so much, David Guerrero. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. The Lonely Hearts Podcast is brought to you by Esquire Philippines in partnership with Podcast Network Asia. For more info on their shows in the network, visit podcastnetwork.asia. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now for free at podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.